You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hello to all you women out there building your career that soars. Welcome to Lead to Soar. It's one of the many ways the hosts of A Career That Soars are bringing you actionable advice, particularly advice dealing with the missing 33%. And that's exactly what Michelle Redfern and Susan Colantuno discuss on today's episode. In Susan's book, No Ceiling, No Walls, she shares her research showing that of all the advice you need to have a career that soars, the advice women get is typically missing about one-third of what's needed. And that 33% can be best described as business, strategic, and financial acumen. On today's episode, Michelle and Susan take a deep dive into what this means and some examples of how they've both seen this play out in their own and their peers' careers. Let's take a listen. Welcome back to my continuing conversation with my co-founder of A Career That Soars, Susan Colantuno. Now, for those of you who haven't yet read it, Susan's book, No Ceiling, No Walls, provides an unblinking look at leadership. And it's one of those books that women, and I hope the male allies out there, will read and reread over the course of their career, just like I do. What I want to explore today, Susan, is our mantra around leadership manifests itself at every level. In other words, whatever your career stage, we want you to wear your mantle of leadership every day. However, as you rightly say, Susan, in your book, leadership differs by career stage. So welcome back to the microphone, Susan, and um, let's kick off the conversation by you telling us about those unique features of your book, No Ceiling, No Walls, and of course, A Career That Soars, and why you built those, well, I think the things linked to our conversation today around leadership differs by level and career stage. Welcome back. Thank you, Michelle. It's always great to talk with you from like half a world away. Um, And it's an honor to be able to have this conversation that we will be sharing with other women to help them create their careers that soar. So one of the unique things about No Ceiling, No Walls, unlike any leadership development career book that I had read prior to writing it, was the fact that At the end of each chapter, I offer actionable guidance by level. So whether you are at career start as an individual contributor without any direct reports, whether you're in a first line supervisory or project lead role, management role, senior management role or executive role, or even serving on boards, the take action pieces of each chapter are geared by level. And it's so important because leadership, as you said, leadership manifests at every level and also leadership differs by level. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, it was important for me to make that clear in the structure of the book and in the 
suggestions that I gave. In today's world where, uh, and this is slightly unscriptural, me, me having a, a thought, as, as I do so often yes. when you start talking, women, are, well, many people, but women in particular may be thinking, well, gee, I've got, I work in a very small or a flat organisation. So we're not talking about hierarchies and, and levels of bands or, or levels or themes or however the organisation might determine what, you know, where people sit in their pay grades. We're actually talking about stages, aren't we? So I, I wanted to address that straight up, that this is, this is, you know, as you say, no ceiling, no walls. This is ubiquitous and it, it's relevant for all organisations in all sectors uh, well, uh, across the globe. So can you, can, can we talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And we'll get into this from a little different perspective when we talk about the leadership definition, which I'd like to do later, mm. that no matter how flat an organization is, no matter whether it's a global uh, organization or a local not-for-profit, there are specific career stages that one will go through as they progress in their leadership skills. Very simply, there's, there's a stage where you have no direct reports. You're an individual contributor. There's a stage where you have direct reports, and that can be individuals, so you might be managing a team, or it could be teams of teams. So that's a very wide middle. So when you're in your individual contributor stage of your career, your primary focus is on your own personal performance. It's on encouraging and enabling top performance of your peers. It's about learning about the organization and the field or industry that you're in. When you move into the supervisory roles where you have direct reports, either individuals report to you or supervisors report to you or managers report to you, then that's a career stage where your leadership is called upon to help others learn how to perform effectively support their colleagues in delivering high performance. And then there's the third stage, which is where you're at the more senior levels, their executive level functionality. And there, what you're focused on in terms of your leadership capabilities is positioning the organization in its marketplace so that it will succeed in the present and going into the future. So whether you, your organization is extremely flat and small or whether it's got millions of employees all around the world, those are common stages in a career and each requires a kind of different leadership identity. Yeah, and the, the leadership identity is something that we've, we've talked about before and one of the the first shifts, internal shifts, or those mindset shifts for a woman is to put on her mantle of leadership every single day. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that identity shift, I am a leader, irrespective of career stage or level is important. However, what 
let's get into the detail then around those career stages and what should our listeners pay attention to by level? Because clearly that your lovely explanation. So at that first career stage, I'm really, you know, I'm finding my, my straps, building my, um, my knowledge of the organization, but I'm you know, largely responsible for myself in, in the middle career stage. I'm leading others. I, I might be a leader of leaders. And then of course, in that important, well, they're all important, but that, senior career stage, uh, senior and executive and board roles, of course, I've got a very external focus and I'm positioning the organisation. What happened? What should our listeners pay attention to when, well, let's start with, start where we started our careers. Okay. <laughs> so I, I want to reinforce your point because it's so important. The point that you made about putting on your mantle of leadership. Yeah. Your mantle, if you want to be effective in an organizational setting, in a social movement setting, in a community service setting, all of those require putting on a mantle of leadership. And so let me define leadership <laughs> in case people missed our earlier conversation, because the definition of leadership that you and I use applies at every level. So Leadership is using the greatness in you, so your personal attributes, your strengths and skills, your values and your mindsets. Leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes, which are the measurable outcomes by which an organization is deemed to be effective or ineffective, successful or failing by engaging the greatness in others. And those other people that we're engaging can be our colleagues, they can be our boss, they can be our direct reports, they can be stakeholders inside the company, they can be vendors, they can be suppliers. So leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. And that definition applies at every single career stage a primary focus for individual contributors is on individual performance excellence, getting the job done and getting gratification from getting the job done and then applying the leadership skills to be part of co-creating a successful team, providing leadership skills in terms of surfacing issues and potential resolutions to your managers. Uh, applying leadership skills in terms of beginning to build relationships with people outside of your team to better understand how your team fits into the whole. So at the earliest career stage, being an individual contributor, you put on your mantle of leadership in all the ways I just described. Your sense of identity and gratification comes from a job well done. And that's appropriate at that stage. When we move into the positions where there are people for whom we're responsible, then again, leadership is applied at that stage by being a fair, supportive person who's able to engage the direct reports, be a role model to the people below those direct reports, again, engaging up the organization, across the organization, 
and outside of the organization in order to deliver the measures by which your team or your function or your business unit is evaluated for success or failure. So here the gratification changes from, instead of getting gratification from a job well done, the technical work, gratification here comes from helping other people do the job well done. And what becomes a trap, so the broad umbrella of our discussion today is about career, what the critical success factors for careers. And if, if in those middle jobs, we're hanging on to what gratified us in earlier stages, then we aren't free to add the skills that are required to succeed in this stage. So for example, if I'm a superior programmer or superior engineer or superior human resources practitioner, and I move into a supervisory or management role, if I keep doing the work of engineering and programming and HR without learning the work of coaching employees, mentoring employees, giving performance feedback to employees, setting goals and new measures, beginning to formulate strategic recommendations, then I will get stuck where I am. And of course, not everyone aspires to go to the top of organizations, but it's important to cultivate the leadership skills that could take you there because you never know. You mm -hmm. never know where you want to end up until you get there. <laughs> well, and you know, the other thing, Susan, which I've learned is that you never know who's watching and has identified your talent even before you've identified your talent. Oh, that is so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, we certainly in, in some other contexts, you know, we've talked about women who've become extraordinarily powerful leaders and CEOs of, of organisations who who have, for whatever reason, not overtly, and we, we, we won't go into all of that, that stuff, but they, they haven't overtly stated that they want leadership, that they want to lead from the very top. However, because they've been building this portfolio of skills, um, adding to their portfolio of skills and uh, subtracting, and I'll get you to talk about adding and subtracting in a moment, but they've, they've been spotted and yes. then taken, taken forward or, or sponsored. So again, I, I always say you never know who's watching. <laughs> right. And I often say that your career success, to build a career that soars, it rests on your proven and perceived leadership skills, which is why what you just said is so important. You never know who's watching. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it, so in order to then move into that more senior, those executive positions, like the powerful women that you just referred to, there you apply your leadership. Yes, you're always interacting with individuals. And at the executive level, you have direct reports. But the primary focus at the executive level is strategic, it's external. I once had a vice president, uh, I was in a meeting with a vice president, his team, 
and a senior vice president walked in to see, you know, what he walked by, saw the whole group, said, what's going on? And, and we said, well, we're doing some leadership development here. And he said, I have a question for you. What percentage of your, so these are vice, it's a vice president and director level. Mm -hmm. What percentage of your time do you spend on operational activities? And what percentage of your time do you spend on strategic activities? Mm -hmm. The consensus of the group was 80% operational. So short-term transactional tactical focus and 20% strategic. And he said, at your level, you should be the opposite. 80% 80% strategic, 20% operational, which means cultivating skills in their direct reports so that they're doing the operational work to free up the more senior folks for thinking about how best to position the, the organization in the marketplace, how best to respond to environmental challenges, to legislative challenges, to marketplace shifts, to the situations like the COVID pandemic, the Mm. crash that happened in 2008. So again, in career start, we're getting gratification from doing the work. Then in the middle, we're getting gratification from helping others learn how to do the work or coach others how to do the work gratification in senior levels comes from being knowledgeable and effective in positioning the organization to deal with the challenges and opportunities outside of it. Yeah, it's, um, and you've made me recall uh, a CEO of, uh, of one of the, the big four banks when I was working there, he had mm-hmm. his top 200 leaders in the organization in a room and and I've got to say this day, he was a bit cranky <laughs> and a great guy. And, uh, but he said, listen, folks, I can't pick up the phone every day and ring every employee in this organisation to check in. That's someone else's job. And nor can you. <laughs> and I want you to be really clear about your role and where you need to play and how we need to, because it was in a, well, it still is in a continuing turnaround situation. I want you to lift and you really need to understand how every activity, every, every hour of every day needs to count. And I trust you. I want you to trust your people and I want us to be leaders. And it was a really strong statement for me around not just delegating, because uh, uh, you know, we know that there are all sorts of mindsets and feelings about delegation that manifest themselves in women. He just said, this is not just about delegating. Well, I'm saying it's not just about delegating. It's actually building the skills and the capability and the capacity of the people who report to me to take over from me. This, where do I spend my time? Am I having the most impact for the organisation in the next one hour, one day or one week based on where my level is and what it is that I'm expected to deliver. You're listening to Lead to Soar. Find information on upcoming events and learn how to join the network at leadtosoar.com.
is a nice segue into, well, where do we go wrong? So what's the advice or what, what should our listeners be paying attention to in terms of, well, okay, I get that, Susan. I get the leadership definition, which is terrific. I get what I should be doing, but somehow I find myself not doing that. Yeah. So why? Yeah. Well, part of the, uh, there's so many reasons why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, part of the reason is that the advice that's flowing toward women is useful but incomplete. Oh, oh, you're, you're generous, flowing. I would say that there's a, a tsunami of advice that, right. that women are right. confronted with them from the yeah. moment they open their eyes and look at any kind of device or, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, you're so right. So I hadn't done this for a while. I used to do this on a regular basis. But for today, I did a search on the phrase career advice to women. Mm-hmm. And I pulled out some of the advice from three articles that were in the top 10 that weren't behind paywalls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and so I'd I'd like to just read through some and, and illustrate how they relate to the definition of leadership. And then we can have more conversation about each of them and how they differ by level. If that sounds excellent. So, one of the articles had a piece of advice that said, learn your chosen field. And I was so surprised because that's very rarely given. But in terms of leadership definition, that has to do both with personal greatness, which is become knowledgeable, but also a little bit with with outcomes in the sense that part of achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes is having strategic acumen and understanding your field and your industry that helps you begin especially at early career to create that lay the foundation for strategic acumen so i thought that was unusual advice but most all of the advice is advice that i'm sure you have heard read our mm-hmm. <laughs> a career that stores have heard and read or, or watched be focused which is using the greatness in you, personal greatness. Work hard, which I know <laughs> you would say, work smart. <laughs> yeah, um, again, personal greatness. Yep. Love what you do. Again, personal greatness. Be authentic. Be yourself. Again, personal greatness. Build your confidence. Again, personal greatness. Build a personal brand personal greatness, Mm -hmm. project confidence, plan your career. Those are all personal greatness. Then there were some that have to do with engaging the greatness in others, find a mentor, build your network, and self-promote. So this is why I say that advice coming to women is useful but incomplete. I, I, you know, there's, I'm just, I'm a very visual person. So as, as you speak, I've got this kind of visual developing in my head and I've got this gaping, gaping <laughs> void where, well, where the missing 33% is, which of course is why it's called the missing 33%. But, and we are, women are bombarded by this advice. And I, Wanted to make the point, though, that particularly when we hark back to the the earlier part of our conversation about career stages, if I'm at the beginning of my career, Mm -hmm. 
what should I be paying attention to from this career advice versus what I should be seeking more of? Yeah, because I agree. we're not advocating that this advice is bad advice, are we? No. no, no. As a matter of fact, the advice like find a mentor, develop confidence to be able to speak up in meetings, build your network, develop a sense of confidence and project it, have career goals and self-promote, those are absolutely crucially important, especially at early career. Mm. You won't, it's very difficult to be seen as, it's not impossible, but it's difficult to be seen as someone with leadership potential in the traditional sense of the word, because of course, there are leaders at every level, but it's hard to have that leadership potential recognized if you're a shy wallflower Mm. or if you never speak up in meetings, no matter how brilliant the conversation in your head is, if you don't have a network of people who are able to see that brilliance. So all those pieces of advice really matter at career start. And you can certainly begin to move to different stages in your career, either moving upward or laterally and then upward without being perfect in all of them. But if you don't get to a certain level, I always say good enough. You have to be good enough with confidence. You have to be good enough with with your network. You have to be good enough with self-promotion because you're never perfect. Yeah. If you don't get to good enough, you'll get stuck. Those are like um, foundational. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I, I, there's an, an analogy that I often use around the, the conventional career advice given to women when I I run lots of programs, as as Mm -hmm. you know. And I say, look, I really love diamonds quite a lot. And (laughs) and I like really big diamonds. I have no idea. That's oh. so. Oh, something new about the show. Oh yes, yes, yes. So, yes, as uh, you know. So magpies. Do you have magpies in the states? No, magpies are Australian. They are birds. Yeah, I know that they are. Yes. And yes, they love like shiny, shiny things. things. Oh yeah. yeah. So so shiny, my favourite colour. Anyway, back to my, uh, diamonds. So I just say, you know, I, diamonds you cut once cut and polish once and then you clean them over the course of life if you keep cutting and polishing a diamond you will end up with a speck and I don't want a speck I want a great big rock with our personal greatness and our engaging the greatness in others those are two of the three diamonds in our crown of of leadership and if we keep cutting and polishing so i.e only focusing on the personal greatness and only focusing on um, engaging the greatness in others those strengths become they become an overused strength. Um, you don't build up those other critical, the missing 33%, business, strategic and financial acumen. But you are likely to hear what I heard when I had, I guess, paid attention or wandered into my comfort zone over and over and over again and became extremely good. I became beyond good enough at engaging the greatness in others. I would hear, Michelle, you're so good with people. Your, your team loves you so much we could never take you away from them. you're so good at blah, 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 blah. We could never shift, you know. So in overusing my my strengths and the things that I paid attention to, I became mired in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago. So I guess that's the, for me to say to, to our listeners, 
do pay attention, but I like the fact that you're saying be good enough. But really, please, please, please pay attention. Well, perhaps pay attention or seek out. So using my 35 or 36-year-old self, uh, how could I say, well, okay, I'm getting conventional advice here. Mm-hmm. I probably need to start disregarding some of that because I'm good enough. Now I want to pay attention to some other stuff. How do I get it? Right. So, oh, there's so much <laughs> in what you said. Mm. So, of course, to reiterate your point, it's the piece that's missing is the advice about developing business strategic and financial acumen. Mm. And that can begin in your very first job and should this is how i tackle it in no ceiling no walls at each level there's business strategic and financial acumen possibilities so very early in your career once you you're good enough at your job then all of a sudden well what do they do over there in this organization and what do they do over there in this organization so you build a complete picture of how the organization works. So that's a sense of business acumen. Mm -hmm. We have a simple model in No Ceiling, No Walls and that that we work with that helps create the foundation for financial acumen. So you create a foundation to understand the key measures of the business and understand how you're measured on the number of calls a day or the number of lines of code that needed no debugging or whatever your measures are, how do they relate to your boss's measures and his or her boss's measure? And then beginning to tune into, well, that's a really big change that they're implementing this new system or, ah, we're reorganizing the company. Why is that happening? So those are the kinds of things at the earliest career stage that you can do to begin to uh, lay the foundation for business strategic and financial acumen, the missing 33%. And the best way to get that in the course of work is by talking to people, asking your boss, what Mm -hmm. measures matter to you? What measures matter to your boss? How does what I do tie up to that? Gee, I just saw in our internal newsletter that they're beginning a, I'm dating myself because I'm going to say a lean transformation process and there's some (laughs) agile. They're implementing agile. Why are we doing that? How's that supposed to help the organization? So conversations, looking for mentors who can help you develop those skills. And again, this can carry into the middle of the organization as well, but what you're looking for there is a little bit deeper. Mm. my advice to women once they have worked through particularly page reading up to page 51 in no ceiling no walls but there's a great activity which is it's such a i think a foundational piece or to create the aha moment in how to shape these conversations i want women to do that activity but because it's it's about taking a, a walk in their boss's shoes and their mm-hmm. boss's boss's shoes mm-hmm. about them because you said earlier rightly that your leadership or your career to have a career that soars is dependent on your proven and your perceived leadership skills so how does your boss and your boss's boss and the sort of ecosystem around them particularly those two those two people mm-hmm. how do they perceive you and 
if that perception is well less than or good enough or whatever it may be whatever it may be that then becomes an action plan for the woman to then shape her conversations with her boss her mentor her coach and it's okay to shape that conversation isn't it absolutely because in shaping the conversation you're sh- you're taking control of shaping the perception as well so a lot of times women get stuck because they're managed. I've had, I can't tell you how many managers and executives have told me, I never knew she was interested yeah. in advancing. So demonstrating that you're interested in the organization, that you, you have an eye toward increasing your capacity to contribute to the success of the organization, that can make a major shift in the perception in how you're perceived as a potential candidate for growth. It doesn't always have to be the, the blunt, oh, I'd like a pay rise, I'd like the promotion, because we do know that women are held to a different standard in terms of them expressing their ambition and their aspirations. Right. Yep. Um, so I think that's, that, that is terrific advice. Subtly shaping uh, the conversation and declaring your intent, because let's face it, I I always say, hey, um, just because you've ascended into very, very senior leadership roles doesn't mean you also gain the skill of mind reading. Right. Um, (laughs) You know, I I, I think about myself as a a busy executive, even though I don't like the B word, but as a busy executive with a lot of responsibilities, external uh, and internal. Yes, it's absolutely my job to, to develop talent. But meet me halfway, please. <laughs> uh, yeah. help, help me understand where you want to go. And I think being able to yeah, demonstrate that you're in the know and that, that you're able to, and that you're interested in the organisation, yes. um, which is one of those identity shifts we talk about. I think we talked about in our last conversation. You know, I'm, I'm not just someone who draws a cheque. I'm actually here to, there's two way. Yeah, there's a there's a two way contract here in my contribution, and I'm interested in it. So, right, I um, that, that go reminds ahead. me of before a career that soars. Before leading women, I ran for a few years the Women's Institute for Leadership at Bryant University, and one of the exercises that was part of every workshop that I ran was to have a conversation with your CFO to help build financial acumen. Mm -hmm. It was more structured than that, but that was the essence. And one of the women came back from that conversation. First of all, every woman who did it said it was one of the most important, impactful things that she'd ever done in her career. But one of the women came back and said, she came back to me like after the course, a year later and said, because I opened up the conversation with our CFO, all of a sudden, the whole management team started looking at me differently, and I got moved out of where I think I would have been stuck as a, a functional head and given the opportunity to run a business unit. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a concrete example of how these kinds of conversations can shape how we're perceived. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is strategic networking. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I I keep saying, you know, networking is not going to functions and conferences and eating 
rubbish food and drinking dreadful wine and handing out as many business cards as you can. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it's not just that. It's not just LinkedIn. It is, it is the web of people around you all the time. And, and albeit, you know, right now that those web of people are in a virtual environment for Mm -hmm. a great many of us, but that, that is strategic networking. Mm -hmm. And gee whiz, I look back and, Again, it's, it's hard not to reflect on my own career. And I think I, I recall when I worked for Telstra and I'd moved into a, a different business unit, into the infrastructure, what was then the infrastructure uh, area. So lots of technical people and people who'd been down pits and up, you know, poles <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And here's this, <clears throat> as I was called by one kind, not so much person, here's this girly from the contact centres coming over to try and boss us all around. But anyway, but we're at a, we're at a leadership conference and I am incessantly curious. And at the end of this leadership conference, and I participated, you know, as I thought, oh, I'm interested. And at the end of the leadership conference, the uh, our most senior boss said, we've got a special prize and we'd like to award it to Michelle Redfern because she's the person who's asked the most questions <laughs> during this conference. And I, and I went, oh, God, did I... Um, Oh, shoot. Yeah, that, uh, anyway, so I spoke to my boss after. She said, no, really, really good. And, yeah. and she said, what was your strategy? I said, no, no, I was actually genuinely curious because I'm new in this organisation or part of the organisation. Here were the experts. God, why wouldn't I take advantage of that? Anyway, but the, right. the shorter story is as a result of that, I was identified as someone with more potential and was then mentored by, mm. well, the, the big boss, the, the group managing director of the organisation. Now, yeah, that's a whole, whole other conversation about mentoring, yeah. which I'd, I'd really like to talk about in our next conversation. But it signalled intent. So to your point, conversations are well-shaped, well-timed, yes. that yep. signal your intent are a great way. And I think the other side of it too, Susan, is that for women, I want them to think about how they are also engaging the greatness in the CFO or in the, you know, group managing director or whoever it may be. They're -hmm. they're asking them to demonstrate their greatness and Mm -hmm. help them. And by doing that, they're also subtly shifting the conversation that that person, that senior leader may have with another woman. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's a really good point. Hello, dear listener, Mel Butcher here, and I want to give you another quick minute break to soak in all the gems of advice Michelle and Susan are sharing here. And if you haven't picked up a copy yet, you should definitely consider getting a copy of No Ceiling, No Walls. It's available on Amazon. There's not an audio version yet, but I heard a rumor there will be one in the future. So either way, No Ceiling, No Walls will help you get the most out of these discussions in Lead to Soar and out of A Career That Soars. Thank you so much for joining us today.
Yeah, there was something in what you said earlier that reminded me of, it has something to do with these conversations and having them be effectively shaped. The more the conversations are grounded in business, strategic and financial acumen, the more positive an impact it will have coming on you. Like the questions you asked were all business acumen. Well, I don't know that they were all business acumen related. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely were. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on on <Learning>. reflection. <laughs> right. Learning the organization. So mm. one of the things that's important in terms of the critical success factors for women is we're always told that it's important to be confident and to self-promote, project confidence, et cetera. We cannot do that unless we have a foundation of business strategic and financial acumen. You can't, in the, in the context of organizations, that's the foundation of confidence. Mm. It's the foundation of competence, obviously. And it's the foundation of self-promotion. So the earlier you start understanding the business basics of financial metrics and why they matter, basics of strategy, then you carry that forward into the middle and you get more involved in the actual finances of the company. You may be managing a P&L. Um, you're not setting strategy because that happens at the top, but you are connecting your function strategy to the organization strategy. You're being asked to make strategic recommendations based on your analysis of the external environment. So it's different than at the at career start, but it's still required there. And again, the more competent you are in those three dimensions, the more the easier it is to be confident, to project confidence, to self-promote in terms of your contributions toward the success of the business. Yeah. I want to talk about, as we close out this conversation, because as always, I could talk for hours about this. Yeah. <laughs> so often we will look to other women who have, you know, in inverted commas, made it. So mm -hmm. we look to female CEOs, those who are successful and we look at their interviews and, and, you know, read about them and what have you. And mm -hmm. again, I look at the very gendered nature of the questions about her success. Yep. You've got a story, haven't you? Um, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and, so and, happy you asked. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I particularly, well, you, you tell the story. Okay. So one of the women CEOs that I admire, and you will see this if you've read and know this if you've read No Ceiling, No Walls, is Anne Mulcahy. Anne was the CEO of Xerox and basically turned the company from a situation where all the capital market people were saying, you should just go into bankruptcy. She said no, and she turned Xerox around one thing, there are two things, well, there's so many things interesting <laughs> in that story. But uh, one of them was, I remember that she had to get coached 
on financial acumen. So here's this woman who stepped up to become the CEO, who had to rely on a person in her finance team to get her up to speed on everything a CEO needs to know in order to be leading the organization, delivering the outcomes that are required by the capital markets, looked for by the analysts, because it's of course a publicly traded, it, was a, it is a publicly traded company. And to be able, and the financial outcomes that are required for, to keep the board happy. So you don't get fired as a CEO. So I thought that was a great example of reverse mentoring. I thought that was a great example of how important it is to be developing financial acumen along the way. So mm. you don't have such a steep learning curve. But here's, here's the story I think you're alluding to. I had the great honor after she retired of interviewing Anne. And I sent her the list of questions. And of course, I'm who I am. So one of my questions was, how did you develop business strategic and financial acumen during the course of your career? So she had the question ahead of time. And she said to me, when we came to that point in the interview, she said, you know, no one has ever asked me a question, anything like this. Hmm. And I felt very sad about that because that means that the means by which successful women have developed business strategic and financial acumen just haven't been available to those of us who are looking at them as virtual role models. Yeah. And she said, you know, people ask me all the time about work-life balance because she had kids, which most women CEOs have had. <laughs> so if you think or if your manager thinks that you can't become a CEO because you have kids, that's absolutely nuts. She was asked about developing confidence. She's one of the most humble CEOs I've ever listened to uh, about mentors, but nobody had ever given her an opportunity to think about and share how she developed business strategic and financial acumen over the course of her career. And mm -hmm. it started with her role in sales. She mm -hmm. said that was, at one point, then she ran a business unit. So, I am reading a book, Women and Leadership, by Julia Gillard and, and Ngozi at the moment. Mm. Um, I'm not pronouncing Ngozi's surname because I, I think I'm, I will muck it up and that's more disrespectful. <laughs> and interestingly enough, stories of leaders, you know, worldwide leaders. And again, I'm... Look, the book's not about what we talk about around business strategic and financial acumen. Mm. However, again, though, I, I find it, you know, we're, we're talking about people like Jacinda Ardern, Christine mm. Lagarde, Theresa mm. May, you know, th these mm. extraordinary global, Michelle Bachelard. Um, mm. and, and look, there are glimpses. And, and, and I am the person who has a hell of a lot of bias these days for when mm -hmm. I read things. I go, where is it? Where is it? Where's business, strategic and financial acumen? And it's just not there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so important. And I, I'm irritated that women are still asked about work-life balance. And as you have rightly pointed out, that's something that's been foisted on women since the 70s. And even the most recent appointment to, to Citibank, the CEO, uh, whose name escapes me right now, but the, the first two articles were around her husband buying her a dress and oh. 
you know, balance. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness gracious, there's these legions of women of all ages and all career stages looking at these women to say, tell me what it is that's got you there because I need it. And they're not being asked those questions. So I think important, important stuff. So I think we're just about out of time. Yes. As always. It did. It did. It did. Um, I we'd be done, but we still have to talk about mentoring. <laughs> we do have to talk about mentoring. And I, so, dear listeners, uh, that will absolutely be our next conversation because one of my many pet peeves is when people go, would he be my mentor? And I said, please don't ask that. So if you've been given the career advice that is conventional, get a mentor. Mm. There's some things we want you to pay attention to around that. And then there's some things we want you to pay attention to about mentor selection because believe me mentor selection is just as important as mentee or protege selection so maybe i should interview you <laughs> oh okay all right then all right okay. we're, we're gonna change. Uh, well you know it's, it's our podcast we can do what we like <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> okay. all right you you can interview me that sounds good yeah. all right yeah. okay. awesome well thank you my friend awesome conversation as always and our show notes and all of the, the material that goes with this podcast will refer back to the various uh, little nuggets that we've talked about that Susan shared. But as always, No Ceiling, No Walls is the, it's your business book that will s- stay with you forever. And even you know, someone like me, uh, I refer back to it day in, day out, quite literally, for a career that soars. But certainly even when I'm giving advice to other women because actually you've just reminded me of something I wanted to pick up on. When women are in, here I am saying we're closing and I keep talking, but those of us who have mm-hmm. made it to those senior and executive roles are saying, yep, 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 I've got all this, Susan and Michelle. We want you not to give conventional advice to your up-and-coming women. We want you to give them that business strategy. We want you to give them the missing 33%, so it's not the missing 33% for them. So... I think that's a, a really strong statement that I want to make about the pay it forward, throw out the, the net and bring as many women forward with you, but don't coach them on, don't coach them on work-life balance and confidence, what have you, because they are bombarded with that anyway. Coach them on what they really need. Right. That's a perfect ending note. It is. Thank you, my friend. Thank uh, you, my friend. <laughs> and we will see, we will yeah. talk again. Okay. Indeed. Okay. thank you for joining us for this episode of lead to soar we sincerely appreciate your honest positive reviews you can leave questions at lead to soar.com for michelle and mel to answer on future episodes until next time we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar (laughs) 